favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And indeed, it is Judd's Hockey Show. Judd and A.J. Fredrickson, uh, who joins me frequently for this show. Uh, Declan and Jesse Pierce will be on the Wednesday show, of course. But there is plenty to get to off a busy weekend for the Wild, in which after getting um, routed by Tampa Bay 7-3, to they came back and on Friday beat Florida 6-4. to And on Sunday, beat Carolina 5-2. to Both of those teams, of course, are uh, very much um, towards the top of the Eastern Conference. Florida and Carolina, very good clubs. So on the surface, it is impressive. But, Age, I want to uh, run this past you as far as the takeaway from these two games, at least the, the Carolina game, especially from my perspective, and get your thoughts, okay? Yeah. So here's my perspective. The Carolina game. If you want to talk about a mirage victory, a victory that strikes you as really? Now, it's hockey, okay? Mm-hmm. And as our good friend Patrick Royce once said, it really should be called goaltending. Because if you have a hot goaltender, you obviously can win a playoff series. You definitely can win one game. Um, but I want to talk about a game against a Carolina team that has been playing very well of late, in which Carolina um, was dominant. They outshot you significantly. I've got the shots at 42 to 19 mm-hmm. for the game. Uh, they outshot you 31 to 10 through two periods. You got outstanding goaltending. You've got uh, Kirill Kaprizov with a hat trick, albeit he scored one of the two empty net goals. Special teams was good. The two games a- after being lit up uh, on the penalty kill against Tampa Bay, the Wild came back and killed all four uh, PKs they had against Florida and then all four against um, the Carolina Hurricanes. And they scored five power play goals <laughs> against Florida before going 0 for 2 on the power play against Carolina. But what's your takeaway here? Because I look at the formula for the win against Carolina, and it's very difficult for me to get optimistic because ordinarily, if you get outshot like that, um, and look, Kirill's great. Kirill is continuing now to score goals. It looks like he finally, since coming back on December 30th, is is healthy. He has five goals and eight points, 21 shots in five games. So he has played well. All of that being said, though, the Carolina game especially, I see as a mirage, and I don't see that as being a, wow, that's going to catapult this team towards back up the standings in what has been just an absolutely, and we'll get to it, up and down year beyond belief. That's my that's my two cents. What do you think? Yeah, yesterday against the Hurricanes was, it's frustrating because that's the game that the Wild, you flip the roles, and it seems like those are the games they were losing earlier in the season, where it looked like they were playing better hockey than their opposition. It's just they weren't maybe getting the goaltending, and that's where we saw that poor goaltending come into play prior to the, the John Hines um, announcement as head coach. So to have them then on Sunday be able to pretty much just have one of the worst starts I've seen this team have all season, be outshot as heavily as they were, get dominated in the corners. They're just playing sloppy. And then you get that, you get that first goal. (laughs) And it's like, what I don't understand how this team is able to like steal one. Because everything that we've seen up until this point says they shouldn't be able to win a game like that. You're not supposed to win a game like that. You had your goaltender, who I think we both are on the same page on, should be getting moved here prior to the deadline. Um, and then your superstar does superstar things. Congrats to Kirill. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm always happy for a hat trick. I'm more, ma- 
Uh, but uh, what I'm upset is that the Carolina Hurricanes cannot finish. Th- that should not be two points for the Minnesota Wild yesterday. That should be two points going the way of an Eastern Conference team in the Carolina Hurricanes because there's no reason the Wild should be walking out of out of Raleigh with two points in that game. They just got beat in every facet of the game. They got outshot. They got outhit. They got outworked. They were undisciplined. When you take as many penalties and you go to the penalty box as many times as the Minnesota Wild did, you should not be winning that hockey game. It, it's, uh, God, it's just, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm mad that they won, but I am saying that I'm mad that Carolina did not finish and play better because the Wild just had no business yesterday. That was a uh, pull back the curtain and all, and you see the guy in sweatpants or whatever. Um, you yeah. should that that is not the team that you should expect to see who can steal games just because they want to. Like you're not going to get that play every night, and you're not going to be able to play like they did and continue to win games. Right. On and, and I think that's the bigger lesson here is, yeah, that is not that is not the recipe. That for a lot of rambling, that is the law. Yes. Uh, the short answer: you cannot continue to play like that and expect to to win games because that was a blue moon uh, performance. Yeah, and and look, Gustafson was great, which is a good thing. Gustafson was great. Kirill was Kirill. Um, a guy like, you know, Eric Zanek had a really good, good game, and he does yeah. a lot of times. I mean, yeah. he plays his ass off. All of that being said, though, yes, it was a mirage. It was the type of win where I think you look at that and you can't really, you can't privately, if you're at the Wild, look yourself in the, the mirror and say, okay, yeah. Like, if you're a good team, that's going to happen, and you might win, and you're like, you know what? That's us. That's our perseverance once in a while. Um, <laughs> But I mean, let's, you know, to be up front, they played three good teams on this trip. They played a terrible game in Tampa. I thought they played a lousy game in Carolina. Yeah. They did play an impressive game. Now, five, again, five power play goals, which tied a team mark set like back in 2008 or something like that is also not, there's nothing about their success in, um, or there's nothing about the success in those last two games that screen, that screams sustainable. But I want to take you through, and this is the maddening thing again, speaking of those things. And this team, <laughs> you know, this franchise has been maddening in the past and they're returning to form. But I, I want to take you through what has been the absolute roller coaster of this team and why if I'm Bill Guerin, I am getting out at the deadline. I am getting out. I'm getting out. I'm getting out. All right. Dean Evison was fired after a late November loss at Little Caesars Arena against Detroit. Five ten and four, okay. Woeful streak. He gets gassed. You're five ten and four. Mm-hmm. John Hines's first fourteen games. This has been well documented. You're eleven and three. You come back and you looked really good. And there were times when it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be potentially a playoff team. Eleven games after that, eleven game sample size. You go two eight and one, and now it's like, okay, you can't take you can't take two streaks like that and and be like, but we were really good in the middle. Um, and then, and now the last two games since two, eight and one, the last two games against two teams, two good teams. Now they're Eastern conference teams. So you're not taking away Western conference points. Uh, you go two and oh, you are now 20, 21 and five. And I want to present to you what comes up as far as the schedule this week, AJ. Mm -hmm. And then I want to present to you what comes up after that and ask ask you realistically, if the Wild is talking about this, where do you think they think things stand, okay? Okay. Right now, right now, you are six points back of the second wildcard team in the West that the Andrew Brunette-led Nashville Predators. 
So you're six points back of a of a wild card spot. Okay. The issue is you're not just six points back. There are four teams between you and that team. So you have to leapfrog and get more points than four teams. And that's an issue. So it's not like you're six points back, but you're the next team in line. So if you can just hold off the Predators, you're in great shape. So you're going to have to leapfrog four teams Mm -hmm. uh, between you and Nashville. You have three home games tomorrow night, which is Tuesday, against the Capitals, who are an Eastern Conference team, currently not a playoff team. I believe that they they have 50 points because the East is pretty jacked. And Washington has been in and out of a playoff spot. But they're an Eastern Conference team, so a win there is important. But again, you're not going to take away points from a Western Conference team. You then have a Thursday game against the Predators, who have 51 points. And that's here again. It's a three-game homestand. And so that is an absolutely key game, if, if, you, if we're talking playoffs, for a win in regulation. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday, you get the Ducks... 8 p.m. start because of Hockey Day in Minnesota. Of course, the Ducks are atrocious. 31 points. You then get, and here's here's the the discussion, you then get a 10-day break because of the bye week and the all-star break. So these teams are all getting, at some point in time here now, because they they try and sync them up, Age, everyone's uh, going to get their NHLPA negotiated, I hate it, bye week, and the all-star break. So that's going to give them a 10-day break. So here's the conversation, though. Where are you at with this team? Where is the Wild at with this team? Um, and let's say you win two or three. Let's say you win all three. It's probably important you win all three. So now you got six points made up quickly. Everyone's going to get breaks here soon, so you're not going to lose a ton of points in your time off. Um, but how much do you think the Wild, if they have success here, could get fooled into resuming a playoff chase, and more importantly, trying to get help on defense, which is my greatest concern, which is it's the Vikings thing, right? Oh, man, we're back. And I talked to the (laughs) players, and the players said, don't quit now, so I'm going to go make a trade, or I'm not going to trade pieces that I can. I am legitimately concerned that they're very well in very wild-like fashion could be a message sent here that is going to be very costly for the greater good of the future of this team. Yeah, these these next three games are, in in my opinion, if you drop any points whatsoever, and and even if you honestly, if you if you pick up all six in, in like all of the wins are just ugly because we we just kind of went over the Capitals. They're outside of a playoff spot. Granted, they are two points. I want to say off a wild card spot, right, but they've been very competitive. They're, yes. They've been competitive, and given like their structure i think they as long as you have alex ovechkin and like some of these other guys on their club you're not going to just roll over and die there that's a team no. that's playing hard um nashville i think nashville's a better team than minnesota wild i know they've been pretty average here their last 10 i think they're like six and four or something along those lines maybe six three and one but uh it, it, i think they're a better team and the ducks are just horrendous you have to win all those games if you even want to consider like if you're Bill Guerin and you have to do them all. And I think in a dominant fashion, I'm so I'm so far off of let's make the push for the playoffs that it would, it would have to be like you win every game with six plus goals for me to be like, Oh, we're back on in a playoff because the, the, the ducks are a bad team. And I just am assuming that the wild are going to probably pick up a win there. They're on paper. They're a better team. They're like 10 or 12, something points above the ducks in the standings right now. The ducks are just bad. 
Um, the biggest thing that they have yeah. going on for them right now is they announced that they have a partnership with Vans, like the shoe company. Like that's their biggest oh, thing. Oh, good right for now. them. Yeah, fantastic. Them. That's something to distract them from this abysmal season. Um, I'm cautious, though, that Bill Guerin's going to see this club and, and over these next three games before this break and say, you know what? We got four out of six, and you know, two of these teams are. You could argue that they're playoff squads, and they're gritty. And one of them, we, you know, we got that we 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 took two and didn't give any to Nashville, and they're a division rival, so that just helped us gain a little ground. Don't don't talk yourself into we're right. back in the fight. Sometimes you have to just say we are cornered. We've got you know we're already missing right. three teeth. We don't want to lose four more. Them. Exactly. I don't trust them though, man. I don't trust them. The team or Bill Guerin in that sense? Bill. Yeah, thank well, you. Well, I don't okay. trust the team either. Yeah, I do. But I don't trust Bill. I think. Yeah, I think. I think the answer is the same. The same there. But yeah, um, that's that's my fear. Um, the next the next couple of weeks here, I'm mm-hmm. I'm just so worried that uh, that Guerin's going to say, you know what? I don't want like I'm not a rollover and die type of GM. I always want to be competing. Same thing that we like you mentioned. See with the Vikings. Don't don't. Put yourself in that middle ground just because you feel like you can. Take right. the step back and just accept your fate. That's that's just fine. It's it's much better in my opinion, especially you're you're so far off off of a playoff spot. I know mm-hmm. you, you know it it's it, it's in it's within sight. But in the grand scheme of things, you're leapfrogging so many teams, and you have to have the dominoes fall in such a way that everybody just has to be terrible for you to get essentially right back in the thick of things. On the other side of it, when you look at the draft lottery, because of this past, you know, two, three games, those two wins, you bumped yourself out of a out of sixth, and now you're back to eighth picking. That is a whopping, like, uh, percentage and a half to possibly get the top overall pick. And then you're yep. setting yourself back from these top five teams, which, in, in my say top five in terms of draft selection order, that's where that cream of the crop talent is. You know, one through four is going to be, like, your main picks. And then there's a drop off, but you know, people we we've seen it the past few years that one of those top four teams usually goes in a very you don't know the, there's a surprise pick. If you knock yourself back to now you're picking eighth, ninth, tenth, maybe you're eleventh. You're you're just willingly taking yourself out of a guy who's going to impact your franchise in the coming years. Where as we discussed the other night in this waiting period for the wild, we're always waiting. We're always waiting. Eventually you're not going to be waiting anymore. You're going to have to put your best foot forward. And that starts by getting a top five pick in the 2024 NHL draft. Amen, brother. That, that's exactly, I mean, I think you're exactly right, but, but the thing is, I fear, I fear that, you know, they're, they're going to come through here and win three games and they're, they're going to say, well, you know, if we just go get some defense help and, you know, this is this is going well now. And, and the nature of how this team has gone, I just don't think it's worth it. Um, I will say this. In those last two games before the 10-day break, uh, I'm, I'm with you. You need those six points. But, uh, but you also cannot give out any loser points to Nashville or the Ducks. Yeah. The Ducks, just because it's an embarrassment. But Nashville's the key one. You can't give up any points. You've got to win games in regulation now. Now against the Capitals, who cares? That's a that's you know if if you get two points, you're fine, and if they get a loser point, you're fine because that goes to the Eastern Conference. But against Nashville and against the Ducks, I think you need you need to win those games, and you need to win them in three periods of hockey, not in overtime, not in a shootout. Um, 
But all of that being said, we got a couple of things at, at work here. One is the fact that, you know, John Hines, they, they went up. They went 11-3 and in 14 games. They went down. Now they're 2-0. and I would make a very good case that the Carolina win, again, like we said, it, you cannot look at that win and say, that's a real win. That's a very fortunate win in which your goaltender played well and your star player played well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is this, in goal. What's the expectation of Gustafson now? Like he did come back. He he came in and we'll talk about this in a second. He came into the game in the second period against the Panthers on Friday and played pretty damn well. And then he was outstanding last night. Um, he, of course, when, when he came back from injury against the Coyotes was a complete mess and then didn't play well uh, after that until this recent, this last uh, game and two periods of play. But, and I, I got some pushback on Twitter for this o- over the weekend but, I mean, I still think you take him to market. I still think the more I look at all these teams that need goaltending, I think that you could and, – and if you can, that's fine. Don't trade him. But I think you could make a killing, an absolute killing right now. Uh, he's not the type of guy that I would try to trade in the spring or in June, but he is the type of guy that I, I would try to trade uh, now if I could. Now, the the variable in this also is flower. Mm-hmm. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury suffered the type of hit I absolutely hate uh, the Panthers, William Lockwood, in the first period on Friday, skated past him. And he was being, Lockwood was being engaged, but he delivered that high sort of glancing head hit to Flurry. Flurry stayed, uh, Flurry went down, stayed in the game, second period when Bob was taken out of goal because he was having a bad night for the Panthers' age. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flurry pulled himself from the game. He's day-to-day now with an upper body, which, of course, is probably a concussion of some sort. Yeah. He's had those before. And Lockwood, um, after a bunch of back and forth between upset Wild fans and upset Panther fans who thought that the hit was fine, he was suspended for three games. So the the league basically came down and said, no, you can't. That, that hit is not yeah. that hit is not a necessary hit, and you got to work way harder um, to get past that. That all being said, Wallstead is back up now. Flurry is out, and I don't think they're going to, nor should they rush Flurry back. So I do have some concern about, well, first of all, just from a from a standpoint of concussions, Flurry. But second of all, we've talked about this. If Flurry was going to ask to be traded, which he very well could have been, mm-hmm. um, this probably backs that up quite a bit because I could see this being a longer term thing. I Googled concussions and flurry and I found like two previous ones at least. So you do grow more concerned as guys suffer multiple concussions that it becomes a longer and longer absence to get him back to where, where he can return to playing goal. Yeah. And the concussion stuff is, is never good when you, when it's multiple, like it, it almost like it stacks right. up over time. Like you can, you can come back quicker maybe on, on a first one and then, progressively like as you get another and then now like let's just say for the sake of the googling and just an easy number let's say it's the third you have to be more and more cautious just because for one it's it's the head like that is such an important thing for a guy um you know in a life after hockey to be able to have but also his age there's already been talk and he mentioned this I want to say to Kevin Gorgon in his post game maybe this was oh no sorry this was on the Pat McAfee show um, when he made his appearance there, essentially saying, you know, I've I've been thinking about when I'm going to hang him up here for the past couple of seasons. So, yeah. obviously, he clearly still loves the game. He still has that drive to play. There's no reason he doesn't. But 
he 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 has been already in a presence of mind thinking about his life after hockey. So I think the team, for the sake of health, they don't want to rush him back um, out of respect and out of just, you know, caution for his health. When it comes to the tandem that you have now, I mean, Gustafson, he's been, he's looked very good the past couple of games he's been out. And I think despite not getting the play maybe in front of him, I don't think you can knock him for some of these goals. Granted, maybe he turns it off in the third, but he stole you game in Carolina. Wallstead now has come back up and we'll have to see what he can do, but he's just so green essentially with coming. I mean, his, his debut was a nightmare, got no help in front of him. Kind of the same thing worn out in the third, just by the sake of getting shelled for the first 60 minutes. Um, I think, I don't think your stance should change though. If Gustafson is going to get you a haul, whether that I, and I, I think that's a second rounder at minimum, depending on how the market yeah. fluctuates. If you trade yep. him sooner than later, and especially, I'm not. After last night, why would you not be getting calls? You know, these teams that are looking to make a run, they know they need help. As much as maybe they don't want to go out and say to the media, you know, yeah, we're not super sure about our goaltending situation here. It's easy to see. If a house is painted red, you know, you're not going to call it blue. It's it's red. If you need a goalie, it's pretty it's pretty darn obvious. So um, teams know who. You know who's probably looking on the uh, the outside end of the playoff picture. The Wild are one of those teams, and they're further out than most. And what do you know? They have a guy who's on a decent term. He's under control for a couple more seasons. He's not going to break the bank. The Minnesota Wild, their phone is not just dead. You know they they did not unplug the cord from the wall and just toss it aside and say no, we're fine. They're probably hearing and listening, and I'm sure. I would like to think that the pressure of selling is going to get to Bill Guerin, whether he wants to or not. And the price has to be something that eventually gets him to go. Maybe that's just the only issue so far as to why we haven't maybe heard more rumblings and uh, seen a deal go through yet. Um, and I'll throw this back at you. Do you think Flurry being out now for for we don't know how long could be a couple days? He's listed technically as day to day. I'm yeah. assuming longer. Do you think with him being out? pushes the wild more towards trading Gustafson or not? I fear it doesn't. I fear it's uh, that it, it's going to cause them to, to say, well, he's our top goaltender. Like the whole Garen press conference. I don't know how, how much of that was, was trying to sell a message to the fans and players about being competitive mm-hmm. and how much was really him. And I fear it was him to a certain point. So I would say Flurry being out probably pushes them away from that, but I don't think it should. And, you know, unless you are convinced, and I don't know how you could be, that this team can turn it around, get hot again, and make that. And and you are, you know, we, we said this during the 11-3 and three stretch. Every game now is a playoff game. Like, you need, and in the Western Conference, yeah. you need two points, and you need to not give a point away. And so... If you are convinced that you can make a run and then make a playoff run, which is absolutely in and of itself incredibly grueling, uh, which I don't think that you can, then I would definitely make Gustafson available. And, you know, we, we've talked about this. If Flurry is healthy and comes to me and says, I want out, please get me out. I'm not going to stop him either. Um, but I don't know how this, this team thinks. And I'm fearful that they think, well, hold on a second. We just beat Florida 
and Carolina, do they look at the reality of those wins and say, yeah, we beat them, but the, you know, the Carolina win was a fluke. Um, I don't know that age. And it definitely, it definitely gives me pause for thought, which is why, which is why I think these last two wins in some ways are counterproductive to the big picture. And we've seen this before in a lot of sports, you end up convincing yourself that you can do something that if you thought about it clearly, you should know that you cannot do. There's times to do that. If you're, yeah. you know, if, if you're a guy who's maybe trying to get out of his shelter a little bit and you're at the bar and you see the pretty girl from across the way, you know, work up the courage. You can go talk to her. You can go introduce yourself. You don't think you can maybe apply for that job because you're not as qualified as maybe somebody else. What's what's the harm? What's the harm in throwing your resume in the pile? Maybe you get the call back. If you're looking to win a Stanley Cup, though, and this team with the track record we've seen, when they're struggling to just do kind of the simplest things, picking up points against some of the you know most unimpressive teams, this is not the time to be bold and believe in yourself. This right. th- this is the time to look at the writing on the wall. You see that, and and granted. I'm in the boat that this flurry injury, no matter if it's, you know, a week, whether it's a month, is even more of a reason to sell Gustafson because so much of your success has been able to because you can, it's not, it wasn't a 1A, 1B. Gustafson clearly is the, the starting goaltender, but you need a capable backup here moving forward in order to, like you said, you're in such a far hole, uh, far down hole, we have labeled everything here moving forward, essentially the second half of the season is a playoff game and must-win situations, you're going to have to work your backup in. And I'm not saying Jesper Wallstead can't be a suitable backup. He's just so he's just so unproven. He, he's still going to have to adjust to seeing, instead of, you know, the, the AHL's top scorers, he's seeing Steven Stamkos. He's seeing, you know, Nate McKinnon, who is on pace for like 150 points or something like that. Nikita Kucherov. He, it's he, he's going to have to work himself up and ramp up. Um, no, you, you don't. You just don't see a goaltender come up and be, be able to put up you know some of these elite numbers. So right. when it comes to your situation, it tells me you have to se- you have to sell on Philip Gustafson because you're only hearing yourself in the sense where you're not going to get a return. You're you're not going to get. There's never there's going to be no better time to do it than right now. And then by doing that, you're going to help yourself in a sense by you're not going to win as many games, which is then going to help your draft, uh, your draft position. It's yeah. It keeping him and just trying to ride it out. And I understand the side of the coin that says a team that has Kirill Kaprizov and a team that has Matt Boldy and Jewel Erickson probably shouldn't be drafting in the top five, maybe even the top 10, but But you don't have enough behind him. And that's the problem. And that's where you're going to have to go get the guys behind him, which are, And, you know, they're already somewhat in the system. Brock Faber has had an amazing breakout season. Um, you're going to have uh, Kuznadinov at some point. You're going to have Carson Lambos at some point. But you keep, you have to keep, you know, the ammunition runs out eventually. You have to keep these guys in the pipeline because at some point, one of these guys you might realize doesn't work out. And frankly, you're seeing that with Matt Boldy this season where sometimes he's great, sometimes he's not. Maybe you have to make a change at some point, and he's not the guy that's going to help you on this roster get to a Stanley Cup eventually. You have to keep reloading the chamber, and that starts with getting more ammunition in the NHL draft. So, Well, Matt just needs to be engaged every single night because when he is 
He's fantastic. And he still scored a bunch of goals since Hines got, got the job. But yeah, there, there's games he still he disappears. And I'm sorry, I'm done trading those guys. You traded Coyle. Greenway, we thought was going to be good and simply is is a no. guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Boldy, my God, I mean, he, he made a couple of passes last night again that were just absolutely fantastic. And it's like, you got to harness that on a nightly basis. Yeah. Like, we can't have as many. You can't not show up. But I'll give you the team, the the comparable type of team where, yes, you know what? When you're when you're this team and you get off to a terrible start, you don't give up. The Oilers. The Oilers got off to an absolutely brutal start. And you're like, that, you know, and their goaltending was awful, yeah. but they still had a ton of talent. And they fired uh, Jay Woodcroft, their coach. They brought in Chris Knobloch, who had been, I think, the junior coach um, for McDavid and was coaching the American Hockey League affiliate of the Rangers in Hartford. And that team has absolutely gone on a heater. Now, again, I remind you, that's because most of the games that they're playing are akin to playoff games to get themselves back. But they are now in third place in the division Mm -hmm. in the Pacific, a point ahead of the Kings who have been struggling a a bit. Uh, The Oilers have won 13 consecutive games, okay? That's a team where you do not give up. That's a team where, where you're like, okay, we're going to make a coaching change, but we are going to do everything we can to to press the pedal down because that start is inexcusable, and this is not a rebuilding team. Yeah, we can retool a little bit and get some parts to help us. Um, that's the type of team where I'm like, okay, just ride that thing. Ride mm-hmm. it, and eventually it's going to probably work. The Wild is not. They have a few really good players, but you know, without Spurgeon now, the defense, I'm sorry. Um, Brock Faber is, and I love the kid. I think we're president of his fan club. Yeah. Uh, but the the athletic story today had a really interesting stat, and I don't blame him because he's played a ton, okay? Mm-hmm. The athletic story said or reported Faber, 19 goals against, been on the ice for 19 goals against in his last nine games after being on the ice for 42 against in 37 games. So, like, he is wearing down. And the problem is, they don't have anyone worth playing where it's like, okay, Brock, you know what? We're going <laughs> to, you're still going to play a lot, but you're not going to play as much. Um, I think with the way, and it's been a pleasant surprise, but, you know, is this really the guy that we're seeing now contributing again offensively a ton? Is this uh, Jake Middleton for sure? Or is he going to hit a wall too? You know, there's just, there's a lot of things that don't look sustainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'm with you. Don't get fooled. Okay, a couple more things before we go. I have concern about a guy that we are going to see tomorrow night in the Capitals wild game, and he doesn't play for the home team. Number eight, Alexander Ovechkin. He is, he has eight goals in 41 games this season. He is 38. Now, Gretzky, of course, has the record 894 career goals. Ovechkin is second with 830. So he's 64 goals behind. And I think at the start of the season, it was a given age from everybody. Oh, he's going to reach that. Mm -hmm. He's going to reach it. Probably not this season, but for sure, probably early next year. And he has eight goals in 41 games. I'm a little bit concerned here that this might prove, because I think he's sticking around until he gets it. I do too. I'm getting a little bit concerned. This might be really hard to watch a blip in your mind, or he's 38. Like at some point in time, it catches up to you. Where do you stand in Ovechkin's uh, chase, which, which through last year was marvelous. Yeah. Still look like the grade eight. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that that's still the case. 
this is a situation where I feel like the the deck for him has been stacked against because he's had, if I can look here now, the 2012-13 season. I mean, he won the heart. He won the Rocket Richard, but that was a shortened year. 48 games played for him. Mm-hmm. Later on, 2019-20, uh, he got hurt. Still won the Rocket, scoring 48 goals in 68 games, but he missed out on some on some time there. Then you have the COVID year, 2020-2021. He's only allowed to play 45 games. So essentially, you're taking away, you've taken Great away point. over a full season for him during what you can say is probably his prime years. Now we're, we're seeing an, an incredible drop-off. 41 games played, 8 goals. I, I expected, I expected the, the production to slow down. I didn't expect it to happen this quickly. Like This is mm-hmm. such an abrupt turn. It almost makes me think something's wrong. Is he playing injured? Is there like you're not going to change your offensive strategy for a guy that's been averaging, you know, somewhere 40 plus goals for their, you know, the past decade and a half or so. Um, I, he, I know there was a big uh, kind of rejoice a few weeks back when he finally scored his first goal in what was like over 150 days or something like that. Um mm-hmm. Am I incredibly worried? No, because I feel like he is a player uh, and a guy that like with his caliber and just pretty much his pedigree, if he heats up, you're going to start seeing him pot again. You know, it, it's all about just get, getting the, you're knocking the slump off. How many times have we seen a player just go into a little bit of a rut and they just can't get out of it? I think Alex Ovechkin, it, you could argue maybe has he ever had? A, a slump like that, a scoring That's slump? what I was going to ask. I don't think he's had a slump like this. The, like, he's the, such a natural, gifted goal scorer. He, like, this is just the karma, in a sense, catching up to him where you're going to get it eventually. It's just tough to argue that age isn't a factor here at 38. I think that you're going to maybe see a late surge because I think he's going to realize we need to get the pony out of the station here sooner than later. Um, knock as much off here because, you know, an entire offseason, those legs are only going to get older. Right. Um, 39 he, at this point, he's so far invested. It's going, like you said, he's going to stick around till he's got it. There's no shot. And that's what, that's what concerns me. Like I want him to get it. Don't get me wrong, but that's what concerns me is like, are we going to see? Cause through last season, he was so still prolific, right? Yes. Like that shot was there, everything. And it's great. Cause it, it's like, okay, he's older now, but he still looks so good. And it's almost like, okay, are we now going to sort of slowly uh-huh. tread our way through this? And the Capitals n- need him to get there too because they need to move on here. Yeah. Like like they want him to do it, you know, career-long capital, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they also, at some point, like if you look at the Capitals, there's a lot of aging out there. And so like once Ovechkin gets there, it's like, okay, we're, we're going to retire your jersey immediately and uh, you're going to retire, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here, so I've got some fear there. Here, just looking at like some numbers here, basic basic numbers. This is he's averaging as of right now a twelve point eight shooting percentage. The last time he had a less or a, a sub ten shooting percentage was the two thousand ten eleven season where he had eight point seven. Um, the last time wow. he was sub eleven was twenty sixteen seventeen where he had a ten and a half. His lowest of of his career, and obviously it's in progress, and it would be an un- unbelievable turnaround. 5.6% shooting percentage for Alex Ovechkin this season. 144 shots, 8 goals. That Whoa. that like the the fin- that that tells me 
that something has to be wrong because I feel like over a summer you're losing that finishing ability. That that tells me something has to be wrong. So I age is a bear, man. It is, and I mean, get the guy some glasses if he just can't see the net anymore. If that's what it is, I don't think that's it. No, it's and it's not. But that drop off is incredible. Fourteen point three percent last year shooting percentage to five point six. That just doesn't seem right. That's like Space Jam. Somebody took the skill out of him. And six and sixty four goals is a long. You know, if you're not going well, sixty four goals is a lot of goals. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like you're thirty five or forty, and then we can call it a career. It's sixty four goals, so it's going to take well into next year. Then, and then the Capitals are faced with this very dicey. Like, if he's not, I, I hope you're right. I hope he turns it around. I hope it. I hope he scores goals, and it's all fine. Uh, but I do think it's. It's interesting to watch a guy at that age because you're always waiting for the cliff. Yeah, and if he if he can turn it on a little bit and get to a point where by the end of the season that 64 gap withers down to even close to 50, like I think that yeah. I I wouldn't be opposed to him doing one more season where he has a little bit of production, and then he and then he comes back for one more season, and does like a mid-season see, retirement. I could see him like he's just going on. He's yeah. going to want to get it and then pack it in. But if you're the Capitals too, at some point in time, you're like, well, dude, we got to move on. But but you can't because oh, yeah, it'd I, be a PR nightmare. And so yeah, uh, yeah. What one more thing? But yeah, I actually, I actually, before we get to the our last thing, our last topic, I want to talk to you about my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers, uh, because boy, have they got a deal for you right now. A couple of years back, I've been talking about this for a long time, dropped 40 pounds thanks to a program that works, thanks to a program that helps you keep the weight off. And their deal right now is three months for free. That's right, three months for free. Um, and I also want to talk about Livia's brand new medical weight loss option. This could be a life changer for a lot of folks because it helps to suppress many of the cravings that make weight loss so difficult. Livia, they are the experts, the nutritionists, the dietitians are going to help you drop that weight, keep that weight off, and they're always looking for new ways to help you. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. Check them out. All right, last thing, the shocking news on Sunday because the Islanders and Lou Lamorello never let anything out. The shocking news on Sunday that they have made a coaching change and that Patrick Waugh is back in the National Hockey League. Patrick Waugh then saying, oh, I'm a changed man. I learned a lot in Colorado. And the first thing we see is a clip of him screaming at the players. Uh, it might have been Saturday. I don't know. But anyway, they, they uh, the Islanders beat the Stars in overtime in their first game with Waugh behind the bench. If nothing else, AJ, this is going to be great fun to watch. Yeah, and then the most impressive thing is he averaged 11 SPM, scowls per Scowls per uh, per minute there, so never happy. Never yeah, happy. I don't think he he. I don't think he smiled once, even in the post game stuff. You know, we you know we didn't pass the puck, we didn't exit the zone well enough in that game. Right? Well, he you and know, Lou are going to get along famously. We, oh. They're both going to be pissed off all the time. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, this is the guy that I want to say like mid twenty tens, almost tried to assault Bruce Boudreau on the bench, just yeah. pushing between over, benches, <laughs> the glass, <laughs> pushing over the glass onto maybe was it Darren or Darren Pang at the time on, on the uh, the national TV broadcast. Oh, I don't remember that part. Oh, yeah. it would maybe maybe it was Pierre Maguire, but somebody was between the benches and he was just trying to push Pierre it. Might in. Have, Pierre <laughs> might have deserved it. Yeah, this this ah uh, god, this move was one of those where it feels like a fever dream. Like that is that is yeah. just a insane. Well, and it came out of nowhere because Lou never lets anything. You know, yeah. Lou basically kills trades and hires if it leaks out. Mm-hmm. Like I still think the the reason that the Parisi to the Islanders trade 
a, a while back didn't get done was because it leaked. Yeah, absolutely. He, he just kills deals. But Patrick, well, I mean, this is going to be the tabloids don't cover th- this team much, but the, you know, the post might want to assign a full-time beat reporter to the Islanders and Patrick Waugh, because this could be insanity. It could be really, really fun. And they will not trade at the deadline because they will do everything they possibly can to um, to feed the craving of Lou and Waugh to try to win games, no matter how much they probably should miss the playoffs. Well, the one thing I want to know about here is I, f- I feel bad for Matt Barzal. He just signed that. You know, bit. he's happy. He's happy. You think he came out and said, yeah, he's like, we move the puck. Now we're being more aggressive. He I, I, age. I'm telling you in the game here, a couple weeks back, the five rip win mm-hmm. by the wild Matthew Barzell's participation. In that game was a rumor. <laughs> they were dogging it. I told you the, the game before that in Carolina, they left the bench seconds before the buzzer <laughs> because they gave up an empty net goal. And like what Bo Horvat stayed, and that was it. The guys on the ice and Bo Horvat. Everyone else just walked off the bench. I I just know back uh, before his big extension, before they were actually out of the Coliseum, there was a lot of rumors, and I even have it on decent authority that he was looking to maybe for a change of scenery there, just because he wasn't oh, yeah. he wasn't super thrilled with just everything going on, and the you know not necessarily the fan base, but just like you know John Tavares leaves and. Now it's kind of all yep. on me, and there's really not that much help. And I know he's getting paid over nine bills here um, for the next decade, it seems like. But, um, God, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I, you know, it's the it's the same thing we saw with the Wild. I'm, I'm sure they're going to win a few here, and it's going to look good under Patty Waugh. But I feel like uh, that milk, I feel like that milk's going to turn sour a little sooner oh, than yeah. later. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, and I never wanted out. him here. I, I saw, you know, they, they Patrick Waugh is, I, I'm sorry, unless he's really changed and it appears he is not. Um, he'll, he'll get some wins. You're right. Yeah. But I, I think it'll be eventually a disaster, but yeah. it's going to be fun to watch. I would prefer <laughs> not to watch it on, on my personal team that I cover, but yeah. it would be, an, it would be intriguing. All right. Age. Great stuff. Much appreciated. Um, Judd's Hockey Show will we'll be doing a few episodes this week because, again, before the uh, bye week, it's going to be a busy one for the Wild. So we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.